Well, here we are at the beginning of a new year, and usually at the beginning of a new year, what is the thing that a lot of people tend to do? They make resolutions. How many of you love making resolutions? So you're all resolving to not make resolutions in 2023. I see you. I, here's my resolution that we all raise our hands at least once per week in service in 2023. Can you do that? Okay, half of you just set your quota right there for the, this morning. The other half of you, you got to come up. Um, but the thing is, for New Year's, so often we make resolutions. That's the first thing that I see us doing. And usually those things are that I want to do something different in this year. I want to... I want to stop doing this, or I want to start doing this. And usually they're harder, bigger habits. Like, I want to stop smoking. I want to start eating healthy. I want to start running. I want to read the full Bible in a year. Let me just encourage you. If you have the ability to scroll social media 15 to 20 minutes per day, you have the ability of reading the Bible in 2023. Just saying. I already started my plan. I did something different last year where I spent... Uh, more time per chapter, and I didn't read the Bible all the way through in 2022, but I just started my plan for 2023 this morning when I woke up before I came to church. So day one is done, 364 to go. And, and you say, well, I haven't started yet. Well, pick out a Bible reading plan, a Bible, uh, uh, the Bible app, and you can start this afternoon. It literally takes about 15 minutes tops. And that's when you include Psalms 119, which is going to take you like seven pages to read that chapter. <laughs> I can tell you, though, there's some Psalms where you're like, I can read four Psalms in five minutes because it's fully possible. You just have to make a commitment to it and say, this actually matters. But here's why I want to encourage you. Sometimes when there's big life uh, changes or goals that we make, the struggle so often with them is we have no plan put in place of how we're going to accomplish that. But let me take you back to elementary school, middle school, high school. How many of you know that 50% is failing when you're in school? How many of you know that 50% is still better than 0%? Especially when you start saying averaging things up. Some people end up failing classes simply because they won't turn in their 50% work and they end up getting 0% of it. Let me encourage you with this. You say, you know, I've never read the Bible all the way through and I don't know if I can read it every single day of the year. Uh, for an entire year. 25% is better than 0%. 25% of the year is 102 days. How many of you know that I, you say, I didn't read the Bible at all last year, but I'm gonna, I ended up reading it 102 days. I failed. No, you succeeded 102 times. <laughs> and what happens so often when we say with resolutions is we make these big goals and we don't accomplish them simply because we say, well, if I can't do it all, then I'm not going to do any of it. And it happens so often when we make resolutions. One of the things that I love saying to people when they say, well, I don't know if I can do this. I, I throw this out. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You don't just say, you know what? I'm so hungry I can eat an elephant. And if you do, then you probably have bigger problems. But if you can say, you know what? I'm going to just consistently go at it and attack it. One little bit at a time, all of a sudden you'll be amazed at how far you've come. We get this mentality saying, well, I took two steps forward, but I took one step backwards. Guess where that leads you? One step forward. You keep doing that sequence over and over again. You say, yeah, I, I am having some step backs, some uh, moments where I didn't succeed. But you are perpetually moving yourself forward. The second thing that I see people do, and I 
hear this a lot from actually a lot of uh, people in our church, so there probably should be more hand raises. If you haven't got your one, a quarter of one hand raise per service, here's another opportunity. The second thing is you pick a word for the year, a theme for the year, like my family in this year is going to be this, my life is going to be this, and then you start reading the books that say, you know what, I want to... I want to be more powerful in this year. And then all of a sudden you start reading books about being more powerful. And then you go lift weights and you drink protein shakes. Or you say, I want to be a better leader in this year. And leadership is my, my word. Or uh, humility. And then God will give you an opportunity to be humble really quickly. And you start doing everything you can to line up with that particular word. Usually this isn't me. Uh, that I, I hear a lot of people say it. I think it's great. I've just never had God just drop this magic word in my life and this is it. And I, I, for me personally, this is the one that I feel like God's thrown my way this year. And it is, you heard me say in my prayer before I started speaking, is the word increase. And that I feel it for my family. I feel it for my personal life. I feel it for our church. Is increase for 2023. And you hear increase like, well, what? Do you want more money? Do you want more of this? What do you do? Here's where I'm going at when I say the word increase. I want increase in attendance, not because I want more people in the seats, but because we're impacting more lives. Mm -hmm. Because if we're impacting more lives, truly, this is my heart. When I come here and pray on a Thursday night fasting prayer, a lot of times you'll find me on the stairs because I'm overlooking here and realizing there is going to be a day, there needs to be a day, where every single one of these seats on this main floor is filled where we have to go to the balcony. And when all of a sudden the balcony is filled, we're saying, you know what, we have to go to a second service. Yeah. Because there's people whose eternity lives in the balance. We cannot afford to have empty seats in here. They need to be filled. We need to see an increase in attendance, not because I want to be popular. I could care less. I need people to know Jesus. I want to see an increase in discipleship as we begin to understand God's word better. I want to be a church where we are the most scripturally accurate understanding that can be out there. That it's, again, I need you to not need me. Let that sink in. I need you to not need me because you know this word so well. You know the inspired word of God that we've talked about uh, over the course of this last series. That you know it, you understand it. You can, If you don't understand something or you don't have an answer, you know how to go and find that answer. We need to increase in our discipleship so we feel comfortable going out into the world telling people about Jesus. So that we can fill this place so that we can have an increase in attendance. You have an increase in discipleship, then all of a sudden you're going to realize you're going to have an increase in attendance. And when you have an increase in attendance, heaven grows. I want to see an increase in passion during worship. I don't want to be, well, that's the church where they run around and they do crazy things and they wave their hands in the air and, and they go, yay! No. Because here's the thing, I know for me personally, last night I watched a game that I'm very disappointed in how it went. I got excited in that game though. I was jumping up and down, I was screaming, and probably some of you that were watching that, you did the same. You probably were yelling at the TV of saying, you know what, those referees, they're horrible. Those referees need to go back to the SEC and never step foot in the Michigan game ever again. But let me say this, let me say this, imagine for a moment, you got as excited about talking down Satan as you talked down those SEC officials last night. You start getting excited and all of a sudden you see something wrong going on in the world and you say, you know what? No more of that. Yeah. No, human, human trafficking, that's not allowed to exist. You're not sending God's people back. You know what? That crossed in, that was gold. You're not, we're not robbing heaven of any more people. 
if all of a sudden somebody had crossed that threshold, no statement, you can't take them back. You can say, well, that didn't, that didn't cross. No, yes, it did cross. He grabbed that and he went crashing in to heaven. And we're going to claim victory where victory needs to be claimed. And it's that passion during worship, though, because if we walk in and we just, here's the thing. I know this for each and every one. We all have our own backgrounds and this, I feel comfortable doing this or doing that. I'm challenging you to increase your passion during worship in 2023. That might mean that all of a sudden you're lifting a pinky because you're not comfortable lifting a whole hand. I've never lifted a pinky before. We're going to sing, I'll raise a hallelujah. You might need to sing, I'll raise a little pinky. And you might need to say, well, I'm going to raise two fingers. I don't care what it is, but I need your passion level to increase in worship. Because as we start increasing our discipleship, we start understanding what God has done for us. If I understand what God has done for me, my passion and my worship and my excitement for God grows. You see, it's not just a matter of saying, well, we, we used to have victories a long time ago. Back in 1997, we used to do this. No, this is 2023 now. That was in 2022, but I'm proud of myself. This is 2023. There needs to be a new victory. We need to see more excitement. We need to see more growth. We need to see because it has to continue to go and grow over and over again. I'm sorry, I've got a new iPad and I don't have all my sound cards, so my screen doesn't black on me. <laughs> that I want to see an increase in our giving financially. And, oh, there's the money one. Here's the thing, because I want to impact more lives. I want to see growth. I want to see opportunities. I want to see our building get to where our building needs to be. And when you look at where our building was five and a half years ago, you say, wow, that's grown quite a bit. There's a lot of things that have improved. We need to continue. But as I said last week, I started running the list of things that we accomplished through Kingdom Builders. We helped uh, build a, a home for uh, victims of human trafficking. We helped uh, citizens of the Ukraine and through Convoy of Hope, foster care in our community. There's so many things, the warming center. There's so many different things that were accomplished last year because of giving. I want to do more. I'm not okay saying, well, let's just duplicate last year. No, how about we double last year? But here's one of the amazing things is we grow in our discipleship and our passion for worshiping God and we start telling more people about Jesus, all of a sudden our attendance grows and the pool of available resources grows so that the kingdom grows. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden you start realizing how interconnected all these things are. I need to see increase, not for my glory, but for his glory. And let me encourage you with this. I also want to see that increase in financials, financials not because the bank statement needs to be better, but because I need you to live in complete obedience to God. Amen. Here's one of the things. If you want to see increase in your own personal life in 2023, you need to start listening to the full authority of God, not just the pages that you like. Because if you start picking, well, I like these pages, but not these pages, that's not how God's word works. You don't get to say pages 1 through 100 are the inspired word of God, but when you get to 101, eh, I don't know if he knew what he was talking about on that page. Not how it works. You say, well, I want God to, to do something great in my life. How about you listen to the full authority of scripture before you start asking for a new fresh word? Because when you're starting saying, well, this is the way I want it, not Burger King, you can't have it your way. And guess what? Even at Burger King, you can't have it your way because you're going to get the order wrong anyways. If the drive is even open. <laughs> I want to see an increase in ministry opportunities because we all need to be serving. Hear that again. We all need to be serving. Because what did Jesus do when he went to the Last Supper? Because in a few moments we are going to be taking communion. 
Jesus washed the disciples' feet because it's all about serving. In his final moments before he went to the cross, he was still saying, you have to serve people. You have to serve people. It's about increasing the kingdom. And if Jesus can serve people before he goes to the cross, then we have the ability to serve as well. Why? Because I need to see the attendance increase. Why? Because I need more people in heaven. I need to see that increase. That I want to see an increase in our outreach opportunities because people need Jesus. I want to see an increase in water baptisms. I would love nothing more than to have that tank filled every single week. You want to know a bill that I would gladly pay for because all of a sudden we're going to see increased finances as we see more people meeting Jesus. I would love to have to pay a high water bill because we're filling up the baptismal tank. I would love for the city of St. Clair Shores to say, like, is there something wrong with your building because you're paying a lot in your water bill? No, we're just baptizing people into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit on a continual basis because God's doing something in our church and in our community, and there's a revival about to take place. Because our passion is increasing, and we're saying, you know what, Jesus is first and foremost. I want to see an increase in healings. I want to see an increase of baptisms with the Holy Spirit. But that means our passion has to grow. Our discipleship has to grow. That we need to see, because if you want to see your passion and worship grow, you want to see passion in all these areas grow, what needs to happen? We need to see people that are a mess all of a sudden stopping a mess because they've come into a saving understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And when you start seeing that happen, like, wow, I'll raise a hallelujah because that person was so far gone, but now all of a sudden their life has turned to 180 and they're following after Jesus. If that can happen, what can't happen? Yeah. And we have to start living with that kind of an attitude of saying, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm not, I'm not worrying about what the Satan is doing, what he's bringing up against me. He can raise a weapon against me, but it won't prosper because the Bible tells me to. Because again, we've been increasing our discipleship and our desire to know who Jesus is. So we're spending time in here. So when all of a sudden something comes up against me, I don't have to go to uh, Second Opinions chapter 4. I can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I can go directly to the word that needs to speak over my life in this particular moment. But if you don't spend time in the word of God, then you don't know what it is. I'm already preaching and I'm already, my, my message is all over the place. I'm sorry. I'm just going to keep going. And here's the thing. We can have a fourth strategy when it comes to a new year as well. So we can say I'm going to make a resolution. I can say that uh, my second one is I'm going to have a word for the year. The third one is, you know, I'm just going to kind of walk through and laugh and say, well, I'm not going to make a resolution. I'm not going to make any goals. And today is going to be the same as yesterday was. Or the fourth is you might have your own kind of strategy, the own thing that you do. And it might work for you. But here's the thing that I want you to know is we need to increase the kingdom of God in 2023. We cannot be okay with 2022. Did we do more in 2022 than we did when the first year I was here in 2018? Absolutely. Can we do more? Absolutely. Do we need to do more? Absolutely. So before I get into today's message, and today's message is a little bit unique. I'm doing a lot more summary. Uh, style instead of reading scripture because we're going to be looking at the life of Joseph which starts in Genesis chapter 37 and goes the entire rest of the book so I'm going to be summarizing things I want you just to go ahead and repeat after me and I want you to come even close to matching my passion right now Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, there we go. Your word is written, your word is written in my mind, in my mind and hidden in, in my heart. Your word is a lamp unto my feet light unto my path. I will seek you with all of my strength. 
And my greatest desire, my greatest desire is, to be a disciple is to be a disciple and to make more disciples. <laughs> I will live my life, live my life according, to your word, according to your word. Your word, your word, your word, your word O Lord, o Lord is, eternal. is eternal. So we're going to be looking at Genesis 37. And again, I know you're used to me reading through a lot of scripture. I'm covering a lot of ground, so I'm just saving you the time. Uh, if you want to fact check me later, it starts in Genesis 37, it goes the rest of the way. I would love for you to just take the time to read all of that. You can start your Bible reading in Genesis 37 today. Uh, it'll give you a good start if you read it all today. Joseph was born in the town of Haran to his parents, Jacob and Rachel, and at the age of six, they left Haran and journeyed to Canaan. Jacob displayed extra affection to Joseph, who was born to uh, him in his old age, presenting him with a specially crafted garment, the coat of many colors. This prompted all kinds of jealousy amongst Joseph and the rest of his uh, brothers, especially the sons of Jacob's other wife, Leah. These ill willings increased when Joseph repeated two of his dreams to them, in which he was portrayed as ruling over his brothers, over his family. And soon enough, Joseph turned 17, the tension comes to a head. I mean, imagine this for a moment, little brother, like little, little brother, uh, one of the, the last born, all of a sudden says, you're all gonna worship me and bow down at my feet. Like, think of that as like your younger sibling makes that same, or even your older sibling for that matter, like you're gonna come and worship at my feet. That doesn't go over well most of the time. Like, you're gonna come, I had a dream, God gave me a dream that you're gonna bow down on my feet, and don't forget the fact that dad gave me the, his coat of many colors because he loves me the best. Just some parenting advice, you probably don't wanna let your kids know that you have a favorite if you have a favorite, but you shouldn't have a favorite because God created them all you need and special gave them to you. So love them all. But obviously Joseph is perceived as the favorite, and there's all kinds of family dynamics and tensions in play. He's then sold by his brothers. At first they were planning on murdering him, and they say, you know what, instead of murdering him, let's pretend like we murdered him, make it look like we murdered him, but we'll actually sell him so we can get some money. Like, imagine living in that kind of world of, like, I don't want to just kill my brother. I want to allow him to look like he's dead for dad, but I'm going to make money off of him at the same time. This is going to be fantastic. So Jacob sends Joseph to visit his brothers when they're cutting the sheep, and he doesn't realize that this is going to be his last time seeing his son for 20 years two years and hold that into your mind this moment to when he sees joseph next 22 years the brothers see their chance they throw him in a pit they sell him and all of a sudden joseph finds himself as a slave now in the house of potiphar one of king pharaoh's ministers this leads us to something that's incredible about joseph's life and that's steadfast morality he knew what was right he knew what was wrong, and he consistently did that which he was supposed to do. Things are starting to look up. He's starting to have success. He's starting to increase. He's starting to see good things happen for him until all of a sudden Potiphar's wife takes a liking to him. He starts saying, you know what? I don't want to have anything to do with that. Like, no, like, you, you are with Potiphar. I am not Potiphar. Stay away. She all of a sudden realizes that she has an opportunity. She makes a move. He says no, rips off the, the robe, he's thrown in jail, and with that attempted assault of like, this is what he did to me. And so all of a sudden he goes from being in family, to being sold into slavery, to in the Potiphar's house, to rising up to the top of, of, of 
photographer's house to now all of a sudden being thrown in jail. Like this is that complete, he's taking two steps forward, one step back, and you might even perceive it in the moment of not just taking one step back, but taking multiple steps back of like, you're, you're left for dead. You're sold into slavery. Now you're thrown into jail and you literally did nothing wrong. Fantastic year he has going on here. So now all of a sudden we identify Joseph as the interpreter of dreams and the eventual viceroy. That Joseph's charisma allowed him in prison to be over the other prisoners. You see this about Joseph is that he keeps taking these steps forward. He keeps increasing. He keeps moving in the direction that he's supposed to go in. But he ends up taking these steps backwards again. You have the king's royal cupbearer and the baker who are in prison. They come and bring dreams to him. He interprets the dreams. He interprets them correctly that the cupbearer would be released and the baker hanged. So the baker gets, gets hung. His, his baking must not have been very good. And then the, the cupbearer gets to go back into King Pharaoh's presence. And now all of a sudden, you would think, you know what? This guy interpreted the dream. He interpreted it right. I got to go back to King Pharaoh's presence. I should probably tell King Pharaoh about Joseph over here. And he does. Two years later. This whole sequence of Joseph, one step forward, one step back. Two step forward, one step back. It just kind of keeps continuing. Imagine you've done everything that you've been asked to do, and you find yourself in jail. Until the day when Pharaoh needs that dream interpreted, and the cupbearer is like, oh wait, I remember this guy who interpreted my dream. I forgot about him for the last two years. Oops. But maybe you should come and get Joseph and allow Joseph to interpret your dream for you. And so now Joseph comes, he's able to interpret the dream, and this leads us to a climatic reunion because now all of a sudden he's able to interpret the dream. Pharaoh puts him in charge. He's able to now make these plans to be able to protect the, not only the people of Egypt, but make Egypt a ton of money because they save up all this food, and now people from other nations are coming to buy food from them. He truly has taken care of and blessed Egypt in this moment and really set them up to have wealth and now all of a sudden here comes the brothers and now they're bowing at his feet and all of a sudden the dream came full circle and now Joseph because he lived this life of well let's kill him, no let's sell him let's raise up in the house of Potiphar, nope you're going to jail let's interpret the dream, no you're going to stay here for two more years all of a sudden because he's had this sequence of what feels like failure after failure, it's actually this long play of increase to get to where he needs to go so that he's able to accomplish that which God has called him to do and so often we get frustrated myself included when we say that's not where I want to be I want to be here. Why isn't it going here? So often our successes follow sequences of failures. And the failure was really just positioning us in the right spot to get to where God needs us to be in order to give us the success. And it can be frustrating at times. But if Joseph doesn't go through the sequence, then Joseph isn't in the right spot in order to allow him to enter into Egypt in that position. And when you think of everything that happened, even for God to leave his uh, chosen people through Moses out, that wouldn't have been able if he didn't have Joseph get positioned perfectly in Egypt at this time period. But here's one of the things I want you to realize is this. Joseph was born to Rachel after many years of infertility and named her son Joseph or Yosef in Hebrew, which means increase. Add more to me, God. 
expressing her wish that God would grant her an additional son. And throughout his life, you see this increase in Joseph's life, but it often comes after all of these setbacks and unfortunate events. I know for so many of us in here, we feel like, well, 2022 was my year, or it wasn't my year. It doesn't matter if it was or it wasn't. Realize that God is positioning you for what's next. And whether you're someone who makes resolutions, whether you're someone who has a word for the year, I'm asking and praying that you would join with me in praying that God gives our church a year of increase. Not that we would receive any glory whatsoever. I have zero interest in that. But because the kingdom of God needs to grow because it's getting closer and closer to the time where Jesus returns and people need Jesus. I'm not okay with status quo. And I hope you're not okay with status quo as well. Because in a few moments when we enter into worship, remember one of those things I said I want to increase in 2023 is our passion within the worship. And that's going to look different, again, for all of us. Some of us, we have different styles of worship. I don't care how you worship. All I care is that you worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And you give Him everything that you have. That we don't walk in and say, you know what? Got pretty excited about the game last night, but I, I can't raise my hands today because someone might look at me. If you would have looked at me yesterday when I was watching the game, you're like, that guy's a fool. Yes, I was a fool. <laughs> but am I willing to be the same fool for God that I am for a football game that's going to be meaningless in the light of eternity? So I want to, this is where we're going to go. Worship team, if you would go ahead and come back up. We're going to do communion differently. And you had that opportunity to grab it when you came in. If not, when we go back to the worship, you can go and get it. We're not going to take it as a collective group today. I want to set something up with this idea of increase. We're going to go back into worship. And then I'm going to allow you to take it when you feel prompted by God to take it. But here's where I want to go is John chapter 13 is the Last Supper. But John doesn't present uh, communion in the Last Supper the same way that Matthew, Mark, and Luke do. You, you know, you can read it and see, okay, this is the same setting, this is the same dynamic, but it doesn't spell out communion. It just re references, like, here's where he gets betrayed, and here's where he washes the feet, and here's where he tells Peter that you're going to deny me. But I want you to just to hear some of the things that Jesus is telling them. And this is all being said in the context of the Last Supper. So John 13, 31, it says, when he gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glory him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have loved for one another that when we look at this we can see the fact that jesus is calling the disciples to increase in their love we get over to chapter 14 verse 15 says if you love me you will keep my commandments and i will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever that we can look at that and see oh god's going to increase what he's giving us our resources so that we're able to accomplish what he has for us that even in uh, verse 12, the back up, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. That we're going to have an increase in the works that we're going to do, because God is giving us the Holy Spirit as we love other people, and we put them first. We jump over to verse, or chapter 15, this is verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than 
uh, has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. That we can look at this and see, not only is God increasing what he's calling us to do, but he's increasing us to another level where we're no longer a servant, we are a friend. The power of that, we are his friend. And all of a sudden, my friend comes to me and says, I need help, what do I do? I help my friend. Jesus says, this is what you are to do. You're to go out and to love people. You're to do greater things. You're to go out to all nations and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are called to go out and love because God has called us friend, and he wants to call others friend as well. We get over into, this is where it's going to get fun. We get over into verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of this world, therefore the world hates you. When all of a sudden you feel persecution come on, you don't yell and kick and scream. You embrace that because that means that you're doing something right for God. And then, in turn, you go and love them because they were created in the image of God. As a church, as a whole, individually, as us, as the Shores Church, as the church in, in America, we need to stop getting upset when we get persecuted, but we need to lean in and embrace it. Oh, there's no amens there. Because that's uncomfortable. We need to lean in and embrace persecution because that means we're doing something right. Because when we're doing, when we're not getting persecuted, that means we're not doing what God has called us to do. So let's stop complaining about persecution in 2023 and say, you know what? I'm being persecuted. I'm doing something right. Let's lean into that a little bit more. Because we love people enough to share the truth with them. Sharing the truth in love. Not beating them over the head with truth, but sharing it in love. And then it takes us over in the chapter 16, verse 16. It says, a little while and you will see me no longer, and again a little while and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father, so they're saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, is this what you're asking yourself, what I mean by saying a little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. And then we get ahead a little bit to verse 23. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until then, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. We have an ability to increase our, our opportunity to ask God to do something and then to receive the joy back from it. It doesn't always present the way we want it to look, but all of a sudden we realize that God wants to increase our joy. Why would he increase our joy? Because we're asking him to do the things that his word says that he can do. And then we start experiencing it, and then we see, wow, this is what it's like when we're following after God. We can chase the things that we want to chase over and over and over again. It's not going to bring us long-term joy. It's not going to make us happy. What will make us happy is when we lean into what God is calling us to do and say, you know what? It doesn't matter if I get persecuted. It doesn't matter if this happens. It doesn't matter if it goes my way. Because it matters that God's kingdom goes forward and God's kingdom grows. And then we get here into uh, John 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace in this world. Uh, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 
God's already overcome. He's already won. And so often we're fighting these battles, well, this isn't going the way that I want it to. This isn't the way I think it should go. It doesn't matter if it's the way I want it to or the way I think it should. Is God getting what he paid for on the cross? So we need to be an increase because we need to see God do more. And even through this conversation that's going on during the Last Supper and when communion was being installed, you see this increase of more love and more serving and being able to say, you know what, I'll take on whatever is going to come my way because it is more important for Jesus Christ to be made famous. And so as we take communion today, realize that communion, we do it so often so that we can remember what Jesus did for us. But the most important thing is it's what Jesus did for us and now what we are called to do for him. Because remember, he's not participating again in this until heaven. But this is for us to remember what Jesus did so that we can go out and tell other people what Jesus did. The fact that when we look at this bread, it represents his body and what his body went through on the cross for our behalf. By his stripes on his body, we are healed. By his sacrifice, the old covenant that we couldn't fulfill has been fulfilled. And when we look at the juice, we realize that we are in a new covenant now that is grace, that allows us to say, you know what, I messed up, let me stand back up and let's go again. The very thing that we started with today. You say, you know what, I, well, I've never read the Bible through in a year. Start. Well, what if I only get a third of the way through? Is that a third of the way further than you were last year? Then I call that a success. And then you pick it up again next year and say, well, maybe I'll make it 50%. Well, what if you made it 60? What if you made it 70? What? We just keep pushing the envelope and say, you know what, I want to do better the next time. I want to do better the next time. A week from right now, I'll finish my night marathon. My goal is to finish one second faster than I did last year. Because that means I have a new personal record. Would I love to beat four hours? Absolutely. That likely isn't going to happen. But if I can beat last year, then I'm better than I was last year. And that's the way we need to be with our walk with Christ. I may not be perfect. I will never be perfect until I make it to heaven. But am I better than I was last week, and last month, and last year? Why can't we have a spiritually more impactful year in 2023 than we did in 2022? If last year was rough, this year could be your year. It could be better. If last year was your best year ever, why can't it be even better? Why can't we say, you know what, God, push the envelope, help me grow, help me do things that I've never thought possible. God, I've never given before. Why not start this year? I've never read the Bible through in a year. Why not start this year? I've never shared my testimony before. Why not this year? You just got to start. You just got to do something. This needs to be a year of increase. So this morning, we have plenty of time. We're going to go back into a few songs of worship. Whatever it looks like for you. I want you to stand. I want you to come up to the altar. You're welcome to walk. I, I don't care what you do, but I want you to passionately worship God at an even higher level than when you walked in today. And when you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to partake in communion, I want you to pray over it yourself. There's no magic words. Just simply saying, you know what, God, I thank you for giving your body. I thank you for giving your blood. I thank you that you fulfilled the old covenant and you gave us a new covenant. And I'm going to go tell other people about it. Pray that and take it on your own. You can take it at the altar, you can take it in your seat, you can take it when you're standing up. I don't care when or how you do it, but do it when the Holy Spirit prompts you to do it. And let's just worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because 2023 is going to be a year of increase and we're going to see God do more than he's ever done before. And we're going to see God multiply things that we don't even know how he's doing it. Like last year when that money went down, God provided for our church and took care of our needs 
by a truck hitting an auto. I don't know what he's had in store this year, hopefully not more uh, property damage, but however he has it coming in, I believe that God can multiply, but I want to see his kingdom grow and him do incredible things through us because there's people who need Jesus. And it starts with you and it starts with me. We'll end the service today with the Great Commission, but it starts with us going out and making disciples, but we have to be at that disciple first. So I want to pray over you before we go into worship that you would have your discipleship level increased in 2023 so that you feel the confidence to go out and tell people about Jesus so that we can see his kingdom go. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for my friends. As we just spend some time this morning still in worship in lifting your name on high, Lord, I pray for each and every one of us in this place that we would feel the full confidence to advance your gospel and to make your name known. Lord, I pray for a level of passion, an increased passion for worship that we've never experienced before, a passion uh, and a desire to increase our reading of the, your scriptures, to spend more time in prayer, to spend more time giving, to spend more time serving, to spend more time sharing our testimony, an increase of you in each and every one of our lives. Year 2023 in Jesus' incredible name. Amen.